Welcome to Voices of Change, a podcast for the Get the Medications Right Institute. We are on the cusp of a new era of specialty medications and gene therapies that will transform care. But we are also seeing tremendous waste. Annually, more than $528 billion is wasted and 275,000 lives are lost due to non-optimized medication use. Misuse, overuse, or underuse of medication therapy can lead to treatment failure, a new medication problem, or both. Consider some of these statistics. One in 10 Americans take five or more prescription drugs. More than 75% of all physician office visits result in a prescription for medication. And 50 to 75% of patients do not take their medications as directed. But there is good news. There are opportunities to control the loss and waste, whether you are involved in receiving, paying for, or delivering care. Living in a world where patients get the right medications the first time is attainable. That's what we're doing at the Get the Medications Right Institute. In this episode, Cheryl Larson, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Midwest Business Group on Health, joins us to discuss how employers can work to get the medications right. After all, employers as health plan sponsors manage the benefits for 49% of this country's total population. They can leverage their contract authority to bring about change and create a better medication use process for all Americans. And that is what we'll be discussing on this episode of Voices of Change. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. Speaking with us on this episode of Voices of Change is Cheryl Larson, President and CEO of the Midwest Business Group on Health, a nonprofit organization of over 130 mid to jumbo self-funded public and private employers, both regional and multi-state. The coalition activities provide educational programs, health benefits research, benchmarking, and community-based initiatives focused on increasing the value of health benefits and healthcare services to its members represented by human resources, health benefits, and healthcare professionals. Cheryl oversees all coalition activities, including advocacy, membership, administration, research projects, and educational activities. And she works closely with the Midwest Business Group on Health's employer-led board of directors to establish the strategic direction of the coalition. She leads MBGH's National Employer Initiative on Specialty Drugs, the first major purchaser-driven research project that supports employers in managing the high cost of biologic and specialty drugs, helping them make critical and informed decisions. She's a nationally recognized speaker on employer best practices in managing specialty drugs, value-based benefits design, wellness, well-being, consumerism, engagement, and benefit communications and is one of the first members of our employer task force with the Get the Medication Right Institute. Cheryl is very involved in our work, and that includes contributing to the development of our forthcoming employer toolkit, a guide for employers to medication management reform. Cheryl, I am so glad that you joined us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Katie. I'm honored to be here, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share the employer uh, perspective on today's podcast. Well, you know, I have great respect for the work that you and other business coalitions are doing throughout the country to ensure that employers buy right on behalf of their employees. 
so Cheryl, tell me a little bit about your background as an advocate for employer needs. MBGH has been working closely with self-insured public and private employers for over 40 years. And as a nonprofit, our focus is on education and employer-directed research projects that help them serve as catalysts for positive change in both healthcare and benefits. And as I've said many times in our world, it's the employer who is the real payer in healthcare. It's not the carriers or the insurance companies or the PBMs that are paying the bills. It's the employers. Yet we have little to no say about what happens with how care is delivered or what costs look like or addressing the wasteful practices that happen often under both the medical and pharmacy benefit. So our focus has and will always continue to be on helping our employer members. And these folks are national and regional human resource health benefits thought leaders. And we help them benchmark and learn from each other on the latest innovations and best practices for health benefits management, health improvement, delivery system and payment reform, and specialty drug management. One of the biggest areas we focused on over the past 10 plus years is waste in healthcare. And that's both on the medical and the pharmacy side, because these practices are dramatically increasing employer costs. And this is everything from paying for low to no value care services and treatments to inappropriate care. A few examples of this are from the University of Michigan's VBID Center. I'm on one of their task force and we look at five different things that we're working with employers to try and fix, but a few of them are, for example, the diagnostic tests and imaging that are conducted prior to low-risk surgery, or imaging tests for lower back pain in the first six weeks, or when people are prescribed branded drugs when identical generics are available, and the, there are clinical guidelines in place that indicate these tests and treatments and, and options are not needed or that they're not best practice anymore, yet providers and others continue to prescribe them and they dramatically increase healthcare costs and in some cases can even cause harm. So I want us all to be aware of certain things that we don't need to be doing. And then of course, a lot of the other wasteful practices might have to do more with making sure that various stakeholders are just increasing their revenue. And that's the biggest frustration for the employer community. We want to pay for high performing, high quality care. And, and that's the right patient, right place, right time, right cost. And by getting rid of the unnecessary and wasteful care, it's going to help us preserve resources so we can purchase the best benefits and services and programs for our employees and their family members. And as you mentioned earlier, we have focused heavily on biologics and specialty drugs through our National Employer Initiative on Specialty Drugs. For 11 years, we have looked at ways that we can help employers not only understand how to most effectively manage these high-cost drugs, but how to also address wasteful and non-transparent practices that are typically occurring through intermediaries like PBMs and others, especially the big PBMs out there, because we know that this issue is increasing employer costs by between 10 and 40% each year, and, and there's no relevant value that they're getting in return. 
Yeah. And, and Cheryl, there's no question that your leadership with your business coalition has been on the forefront of this for several years now. So Cheryl, I think a lot of our listeners are unaware that you are uh, one of the largest employer purchaser groups in the country, but you are one of many like-minded purchasing groups throughout the U.S. that focus on ensuring value and appropriate care and also decreasing waste. Can you speak to that a bit and and the like-mindedness of you and other business coalition executives in the country? Absolutely. And, And there is an old statement, if you've seen one coalition, you've seen one coalition. We're all different. We're different models. Some are more purchasing focused. We are not. We're more education and employer directed research focused. And region of the country that you're in, if you're a smaller regional coalition, you might have more impact within the community and healthcare than a group that is large like us. We have we cover eleven states, and we recognize today that healthcare is local. So most of our members today are large self-insured public and private employers uh, in the Chicagoland area, but we still have members in all 11 states and they have sites all over the country. Uh, We have a lot of national employers, they have sites all over the country. So they recognize their unique needs in each of those communities or regions that they have other offices in. We recognized that if we continued, many of us recognized if we continued to allow other healthcare stakeholders to make all the decisions for us, it was going to increase our healthcare costs. So many of our sister coalitions have direct contracting with providers in the community, and they can work with those providers to offer high quality, clinically efficacious services to employees and plan members in that community. And, and they're saving significant amounts of money. We're in a market where major health plans are in, major healthcare delivery systems are in. The jumbo employers traditionally are able to negotiate what that need. For us, it's the smaller to mid-size employer that is paying way more for healthcare and has less negotiating power. And for us, a smaller to mid-size employer might be between 500 and 5,000 or even up to 10,000. But we have a lot of innovative employers that are sharing what they're doing with other member employers. And that's what's helping drive the market in appropriate ways. Thank you, Cheryl. And you certainly, as a leader of that group, have championed so many new initiatives. So help our listeners understand why employers should care about a better way to manage their medications. I I know you've done a lot of work in this area around biologics, but if you consider managing medications more broadly, why should an employer care about that? Mostly because it's the right thing to do caring about a better way to manage medications. And I'm not sure that current MTM medication therapy management programs are doing what they said they would do. Employers are really struggling to pay for these biologic and specialty drugs today. And there are more great drugs in the pipeline like gene therapies, but they know the cost of these new drugs are going to be even higher. And they have real concerns about how they're going to pay for these therapies, even game changer therapies in the future. 
So for some employers, the alternative might be to simply not cover them. So it's important that employers understand the issues, what the related market forces are that put cost barriers in place for patients and help them identify potential solutions. And I think that they recognize because they are making such a huge investment in these therapies that they need to look at all opportunities available to them. You know, back in the day, I remember adherence was everywhere. Um, You know, PBMs and employers, they really focused on that. And I don't hear as much today about adherence programs. And I'm not saying that they still aren't getting data, that they're not following up with the patient to make sure they fill their script, but they're not taking it any further. And that's where we see gaps in the marketplace. Thanks, Cheryl. So let's move on to talk about some work that you have been championing and and supporting on behalf of the Institute. And it's education and awareness of a process of care called comprehensive medication management, which basically improves the cost, quality, and safety of health care. Help our listeners understand how comprehensive medication management is different from other types of medication therapy management or as you mentioned um, a few minutes ago, medication therapy management programs that are being offered by health plans and PBMs today. Sure. You know, there are a lot of reasons why employers need to pay attention to comprehensive medication management. Again, we're managing the health benefits for around 50% of the country, and we're the ones that are signing the checks. So it's important that optimizing medications, which are involved in about 80% of all medical treatment, that we're paying attention to this. We have learned from being part of this project that CMM is an approach to medications where physicians and pharmacists are making sure that all the medications a patient takes, and this includes their prescriptions, their non-prescriptions, their alternative and traditional drugs, and even vitamins and nutritional supplements, are being individually assessed to make sure that each one is appropriate for the patient. And again, that comes down to the right drug, right time, right place. In this case, right dose, right price, because all of these things matter. And that the medication is effective for the specific medical condition. And is it the best drug for the condition and not chosen so that the PBM may get a higher rebate or the PBM uses the cheapest drug, but it may not be the one that's most efficacious? And is the drug safe for the patient? And this is especially important if they, the patient has comorbidities or is taking other medications. And as part of, again, the project, we saw that the ROI for CMM is pretty impressive. I think the numbers were conservatively three to one to five to one, but can go over 12 to one. So um, I think it's important that you're getting a better patient experience and better related outcomes to whatever the condition is. Talking with our employer members about this has been a no-brainer, especially when we can say to them that you can save between $1,200 and $1,900 per patient per year. In fact, when I first learned about the GTMRX project and from your colleagues on the webinar that at least $520 billion was being spent each year on unnecessary medical resources to solve the problems caused by non-optimized medication use. I was shocked. And I think that term non-optimized medication use has a lot of interpretations, wrong drug, 
the list can go on, but you know, I love the list that you have on the 10 steps to CMM and I won't go into those, but it's really a roadmap for employers and other key stakeholders to understand the value of the comprehensive medication management process. We also recognize that since employers are the plan sponsor and therefore they're the plan fiduciary, that they're responsible to make sure that plan assets are being used appropriately for their beneficiaries, and these are their employees and family members. So it's critical that they make sure the right medication or the right treatment or whatever the medical or or drug-related occurrence is, is used the first time, because this can significantly reduce their liability risk. Many of the resources and research that Cheryl just mentioned can be found on the GTMR website at gtmr.org. Now let's get back to Cheryl. I read this recently that CMM actually is like a liability protection for sponsors of healthcare insurance. And I thought that made a lot of sense. And today's processes that we have in place for managing medications, and as a good friend and colleague of our both has said, our medication misadventures, where they're costing employers hundreds of billions of dollars each year. We just heard that stat. And you and I know that much of healthcare delivery today is fragmented and quality is not tracked. And employers are often driven by what various healthcare stakeholders want to happen in the marketplace, which is not always best practice and more often driven by profit. And we really have to pay attention about how this impacts our employees and families who are ultimately the patients. So in terms of employers contracting for CMM services, we recognize that education is key. Even though there have been huge successes for CMM for years, employers don't often know about what it is or what to do about it. We know they need to get CMM integrated into their contract strategies, either with their PBM or their medical benefits carriers, and then carve it out to an external CMM provider that's going to do it better. While we know most MTM programs are a one-time medication-focused process, CMM is patient-focused, it's much more comprehensive. And the, the real beneficial piece is that it includes coordinated care planning and follow-up between the providers that are caring for that patient with the goal of getting the best clinical outcomes. So there's a really big difference between the two. At a minimum, we believe that employers should revisit their PBM carrier contracts, especially at renewal time, so that they can set the stage for future negotiating in their contracts. There were a handful of things that I was reviewing Things like the right to amend or make changes in or termination of existing services and integration of new benefits by the vendor of your choice that should go in your contract. That vendor exclusivity clauses should be eliminated from the contract and that employers can include the current vendor in the RFP process. But it's not likely to change. They're going to change what they're doing. So it may help you make the decision uh, easier on who to hire in the end. And then it's really important that you require the use of clinically proven pharmacogenomic testing, and and we and you are calling that PGX. So if you hear me say that again, that's what that means. And that's going to determine which drugs match best to which patients in the right amounts at the right time. Because when you employ PGX tests and they're integrated into a good pharmacy benefit design, your strategy for certain biologic and specialty drugs, for example, you're going to make sure that you're not going to prescribe a drug 
to the wrong patient because it's not going to work in them. So using DNA, we're able to show that this drug is not going to work in this patient or this drug is going to work in this patient. And we're not expending those resources for drugs that don't work in people. So we already recognize and have done a resource on this and are talking about it and educating our members about the world of pharmacogenomic testing uh, because this is so important in the future. So the last recommendation is that employers should consider a waiver of step therapy requirements and financial penalties related to their formulary use if, through CMM and or other pharmacogenomic means, a specific medication is determined to be the most appropriate for the patients. There's certainly a lot to consider, but I think contracting in the future is key. And I hope that these recommendations can get you thinking about things differently and get you started. Thank you, Cheryl. And I, I think you recognize, uh, because you've been managing this process for so many years, that the employers as health plan sponsor holds a significant position and it's a powerful position. And that's the position of the signer of the contract and also the one that defines expectations from the vendors that they work with. You know, you mentioned a bit about medication therapy problems and, and how in the past we've really as an industry only focused on non-adherence as a problem, you know, as a medication therapy problem. And, un and unfortunately, that's been pretty much the focus up for the past um, 15 to 20 years, when in truth, that only represents about 15 percent of the total medication therapy problems. You know, there over 50% is due to inadequate therapy. And I think you've made some really good points from a contracting standpoint that, that would allow employers to have maximum flexibility there as it relates to that. Decreasing waste, ensuring appropriate use of services such as medications and quality and safety are certainly things that employers care about. And they're doing everything they can today to ensure that employees receive value for the dollars that they spend and receive quality health care. But as you well know, things are really changing fast. And there are all sorts of pharmacogenomics testing companies promising the world to employers, if you will just buy this test for your employee population or include this in your benefit plan design or include this as a um, part of your wellness program, it will solve all the ills of your healthcare cost drivers. How do you guide your employers within your coalition to begin when building a pharmacy benefit program for tomorrow that includes new diagnostics that are very promising, like pharmacogenomics testing, with new services like comprehensive medication management? What a great summary and indication of the challenges that employers face because they are inundated with vendors out there. I've heard numbers as high as 20,000 pharmacogenomic and genetic tests out there now. There's only several hundred that really, most, most of the rest of them are being used in labs in different ways. There's a couple hundred that are probably available to stakeholder communities, but there are quite a few that are being made available to employers and, you know, swimming through the sea of all of them has been tough. There are some out there that focus on six different types of cancers, another one that focuses on 50 different types of cancer. 
some focus on um, cancer from a a preventative perspective, others risk of the cancer. So it's all over the place. And I think it's important that we need to educate employers about all the different options out there. Last fall, we launched a, an action brief, if you will, on precision medicine and pharmacy design with a focus on pharmacogenomics and genetics. And at the last, and by the way, you can get to this on our website at mbgh.org. It's on the homepage with some of the other action briefs that we released last year. We put together an employer call to action list that has action steps for employers because this is overwhelming for them. So what we said to them is, hey, you need to look at precision medicine and PGX testing so that you can have appropriate discussions with your employees, with your company leadership, with your health plan administrators, your your carriers, your TPAs, and your PBMs. And we are encouraging them to participate in meetings on a regular basis with the PBM clinical pharmacists so that they can learn from them and how PGX can be effectively used in the plan. Now, my experience has been that, generally speaking, carriers and PBMs have not chosen to do or say much to employers about this. They haven't wanted to necessarily cover these tests on their own. And the employers have been looking for guidance. So they've come to us in a lot of cases to say, can we get together and talk about what's out there and what we should be doing? So we do have a link on in this action brief that has the FDA website that lists all the current PGX tests and drugs. So I think that's important because the test exists and then there's a drug or maybe the drug existed and then they created a text test. So it'll give you some guidance on that. Then you should look at selecting a testing partner. And so, as I indicated earlier, doing an RFP to look at and consider adding it to your plan as a carve out. There's a handful out there that are good carve outs. And, you know, it's easier to spend $3,000 on a test for five or or 50 cancers than spending $50,000 for a drug that isn't going to work in someone. So that's that's a no-brainer. But again, employers have struggled with guidance on, on what to use. And then it's important that you're going to lower barriers uh, to, to accessing these tests by making sure your plan SPD states that these evidence-based testing is a covered benefit and letting your carriers, PBMs, and plans know about the coverage. I think that's absolutely critical. And then this testing should be part of your prior authorization process, which I think you mentioned earlier for CMM especially for the medications that have the FDA indicators. So it's great that the FDA has given us a website that we can go to to look at what the options are. These are approved and uh, work in collaboration with the physician and if able, a clinical pharmacist. And that's where CMM comes in, a clinical pharmacist. Making sure to educate plan members about this so that they understand that they're going to match the drug to their personal genetic profile. Encourage them to ask their physician if the PGX test is indicated, and when new medications are prescribed or when medications are being used and they're not producing the desired outcomes, I think it's important that employers should have in their health newsletters or open enrollment information some way of communicating that these tests are part of the future. And if you're prescribed one, an employer may have a service, an advocacy service in place so that they can talk to a coach or a counselor about what this means. And then we know it's important to incorporate clinical pharmacist enabled CMM into your plan to facilitate use 
of PGX testing in precision medicine. This resource actually has a link to some good information on that. And then finally, I think it's critical that we are eliminating the misaligned financial incentives, whether these are in the form of rebates or other uh, incentives to approve one drug over another in the formulary. This has been a huge issue with us and our employer community. Uh, these incentives can distract our efforts to leverage these tests effectively by placing matched drugs out of reach to members based on access or cost. Thank you, Cheryl. I think that it's, it's very clear that you have done a lot in, in that area. And I think your the terrific resource that you've developed for your membership actually links the CMM process of care from the American College of Clinical Pharmacy that offers a standardized approach to CMM. We believe very much, and you know this in your work with us through the Institute, that you really need to have a standard process of care. Comprehensive medication management is not about the drugs per se. It's about a process of care to ensure that the drugs are evaluated, to ensure that they're safe, effective, and appropriate for that individual. And the pharmacogenomics test is a tool to be used during the CMM process that will help target the correct therapies. So thank you for your leadership in that area. And also, I think the recognition of the fact that that process of care, in order to be accountable, needs to be standardized. It needs to be measured. And employers really need to understand what the outcomes are for paying for that service and applying that level of service as well. So I think your insights are, are very effective in that regard. Cheryl, I could talk to you all afternoon. You're so articulate. You're so passionate about this. And you're so driven to ensure that employers receive value for the dollars that they spend. But unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. But before we close, I wanted to get insights from you. I, and I also wanted to publicly thank you for your leadership and support of the work of the Institute, particularly as we've worked to advance understanding and knowledge of um, appropriate use of medications and gene therapies among the employer community. So what guidance would you offer employers, those employers that, that know less about comprehensive medication management, guidance that would help them on their journey as they buy appropriately on behalf of their employees? Well, thank you for those kind words, and I could say all of them back at you. MBGH is proud, along with our sister coalitions, that we have banded together to work with GTMRX to create this employer toolkit on CMM. And one of my frustrations is that CMM is a no-brainer, and we've been doing it a long time, but it hasn't gone full scale, and it makes absolutely no sense. So what we often find is that it's the employer community that it become the innovators. So we've got to get this story out so that we can get more entities to say, well, we're doing that. We just don't call it that. Or we want to do that, but we're, we can't get reimbursement for it. So we need to continue the dialogue. And you and GTMRX are the champions to allow us to continue to do that. So, you know, I was looking at the toolkit the other day and I thought, you know, what are the key takeaways that I want employers on today's call and other stakeholders to walk away with? What kind of knowledge and action steps are needed? The toolkit mentioned here was released in April and was created by employers and for employers. 
The toolkit represents months of work by the GTMRX Employer Toolkit Task Force, whose members include representatives of the nation's leading top business coalitions. It covers topics such as what is CMM, how CMM differs from traditional medication therapy management, the return on investment of CMM in practice, patients that benefit the most from CMM services, CMM and value-based strategies, CMM and pharmacogenomic testing, and an employer call to action. Now back to Cheryl. So I guess I'll leave you with five things. You know, understanding why the current system of trial and error medication use must change now and in the future. And understanding what and how comprehensive medication management is being used today and how it has the ability to transform and optimize medication use. So we don't have errors because medication use error is one of the biggest things in healthcare today. A lot of your hospitalizations are due to that and people don't even realize that. And then making sure that we're, we're grasping the value equation for employer advocacy and leadership of this transformation of CMM. And, and even understanding why employers should be the key leaders of change. And I mentioned earlier, we're the real payers. We really care about the health and well-being of our employees and family members. And it makes sense for us to do the right thing. And then finally, taking action to become those leaders. As I said earlier, we are working with our members, many who are innovators and as I call them cannonballs, they're pushing the limits. Many of my employers have a stranglehold on their ability to innovate because of lack of access to certain services or cost issues. So by us working with employers to serve as catalysts for change in both medical and pharmacy benefits, we can have a better system for our employees and family members. And hopefully that innovation gets brought to other entities and other consumers in our community. Thank you so much, Katie. Oh, thank you so much, Cheryl. I, we really appreciate you taking time to talk to our listeners and certainly appreciate your leadership over the past year as we've worked together to bring about some important guidance documents. So thank you. We look forward to the great work that's being done on behalf of Midwest Business Group on Health and our partnership with you and your sister coalitions. That marks the end of this episode of Voices of Change. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. As Cheryl mentioned, the Get the Medications Right Institute recently released a series of tools for employers by employers, exploring the benefits of CMM for individuals and for the employers who pay for their benefits. You can learn more about how to get the medications right and access these tools at www.gtmr.org. Until next time, be well.